For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. What what do we even <laughs> what do we even do? It's not a post game anymore. How do we It's uh, not how do we do this now? How do we run through this? Just, just quit. I guess yeah. I should sell this. Sell this laptop. You just, yeah. You, you move back to London. Get out of wherever you are now, and just you know, we had just a good run. Full though. stop. Quit. Just everything. Yeah. yeah. Not even just the podcast. Just everything. It's just really not worth the effort anymore. I mean, we got how many people in there right now? Two, three. Uh, enough. <laughs> enough. Enough. All right. <laughs> just you and me. <laughs> No, no, we can't. Uh, we can't do it. But uh, yeah, if you guys are joining us or you're listening later, welcome to the uh, the Forever Mighty Podcast, the new format, the twice a week format. No longer are we doing the post game show. A lot of people want us to switch over to to this format so we could better serve you guys on a more consistent basis. And here we are, uh, on time. Huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, is- <laughs> well, yeah, five minutes. Okay, we we went live at ten thirty, but or yeah. seven thirty, but. Uh, yeah. 
we're actually <laughs> now it's it's five minutes after. But uh, at least you know it's not twenty minutes later. That's that's usually how the post game goes. We'll say we're we say yeah. we're going to go live fifteen <laughs> to twenty minutes after the game, and uh, it it turns into thirty to forty five some nights. But uh, that's that's what yeah, happens. It's usually. When you go on uh, the fly. It's yeah, it's technical difficulties uh, is a common phrase that we would do <laughs> post game. Sometimes it's it's technical difficulties. Sometimes it's uh, somebody's late to the party. But we do have three ducks games that we missed. It should be two, but we missed the post game show. Uh, I missed the post. Not us. Show. Not us. You <laughs> for the, the the one that was supposed to be the last post game show of the post game yeah. show era uh, against the mm-hmm. Vancouver Canucks, with the Ducks won two to one in overtime. Uh, Ryan Getzlaff gets the OT winner, which was beautiful oh, and, and poetic nice. in game number 999 <laughs> that he gets yep. that. Uh, they end up losing in overtime 3-2 in game number 1000 for Ryan Getzlaff. And, and talk about poetic. How mm. does this work out that Ryan Getzlaff plays game number <laughs> 1000 in the Ducks 2000th game where he's played in exactly half of the okay. Ducks games? Obviously now that's changed, but at that point... Uh, I don't know yeah. if that's ever happened. I don't think that's ever happened. Probably not where it's an even 50. Can you imagine yeah. the uh, the guy who's setting a schedule and uh, his o- OCD kick starts going? He's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. If he stays healthy, it's 1,000 <laughs> and 2,000. We're perfectly even. And Chicago, if I'm not mistaken, is the first team he scored a goal against. So it's it all, it, it, all the numbers. Yeah. All, all the numbers kind of hit for that OCD. Just like, ah, okay. Ah, oh, perfect. Like, yeah, relax. It. It's like if Gretzky hit 900 goals, you're like, okay, OCD can calm is down. It, but he stops is at it bad? Is it bad that I was sitting there and as, as, you know, as great as I felt for Ryan Getzlaff and as you know, nice as it was to hit 1,000 for him, I was sitting there thinking, man, Corey Perry could have been here too. Like this, mm-hmm. you know, we could have been celebrating. I guess it would have came before. Uh, or maybe not this year with the injury he had, but uh, we would have been celebrating Corey Perry's thousand game with the Ducks to do this year too. Yeah, I mean, bittersweet, but there's a difference between what Ryan Getzloff can bring to this team and what Corey Perry can bring to any team. Um, so, you know, yeah, you kind of wish and hope that would happen, but it's either going to be, yeah. It was just going to stifle things up. I mean, I, I think they almost carried Corey Perry for as long as they could. And yeah. it just at that point, it was just done. And it was like, all right, well, quite honestly, who are you more proud? <laughs> this sounds bad, but who are you more proud of hitting that thousand game mark? Getzloff or Perry? Yeah, it's, Get, yeah, Getzloff? yeah, I guess it's Getzloff. I mean, if you had to choose between the two, who do you who do you see as more of the franchise player? It's Getzloff. Yeah, and he's still here. But uh, <laughs> graphic that the, uh, the NHL put out, or NHL stats put out, uh, but the other players to skate in half of their franchise's all-time games. Uh, Patrick Marlowe's number one. Now he's like back 60, with high 60s 60, or something? 69.5%. Uh, <laughs> Rounded up 70. Miko Koivu is number two, 67.8% right. of Minnesota Wilds games. Uh, David Legwan was uh, number three. And he was at 58%. Chris Phillips with the Sens uh, and, and uh, Daniel Alfredson both at 56.7 and 56.6%. And then uh, Brian Little with Winnipeg and Atlanta with uh, 54.7%. And then Nick Schultz with Minnesota. Yeah. And then obviously Ryan Getzlaff at exactly 50%. 
Nick Schultz was at 51%, so he was close. And a shout-out to Brett for becoming we, – we finally got – if nobody and, – and I guess if you're listening to this post, then this doesn't matter to you. But uh, Pat finally set up our Twitch affiliate. So uh, Brett finally was able to use his <laughs> Twitch Prime and uh, be the first one. And he just he just shut it out <laughs> first in the chat. So thanks, uh, thanks Brett, for doing that. Uh, and then the, the last game, game number three, which was yesterday – the Ducks lost 4-2 to the Minnesota Wild after leading 2-0. Uh, yeah. Most disappointing game of the three because the Minnesota yeah. Wild have been awful and it's Bruce Boudreau and it's Alex Stalock in net and it's the fact <laughs> exactly. the Wild can't score any goals and and they you know they had a 2-0 lead and then they end up losing 4-0. I think that's that was the tough one. That was the big one for me. I mean, you, you lose an OT to the Blackhawks, but you came back from down 0-2 in that game. And Vancouver was on, what, I think it was eight of their last nine. They had won, and you end up winning that tight 1-2-1 one, one in overtime. And this one was kind of deflating after what I thought was two pretty good games from the Ducks. Yeah, uh, they, they looked pretty decent in the first. And obviously, to start the second, they looked really good. But then uh, the, an old adage that penalties seemed to just kill them and it was all of a sudden it was like they took that penalty they got a goal against and now it's 2-1 in the second and they just never seem to fully recover but you know the the ducks tried they tried to get those goals in but uh you know it just it wasn't happening and that's a lot of what minnesota had been dealing with in recent times but hey just Come over to Anaheim. Every now and again, you'll you'll find a way to score some goals. So it was uh, a brutal end to uh, those three games for sure. Especially lately. Now the the Ducks in their first twelve had only given up sixteen goals against, and I believe that was around top either top two or top three in the league through those first twelve games. Over their last five, twelve goals against. They sit, I believe, the fifth most goals against over that that five game span. So you know it's been a bit of a shift for them. Uh, they're thirtieth in shot mm-hmm. attempts against in, in Corsi four percentage with forty one point five eight over those last five games. Dead last <laughs> in scoring chances against, giving up one hundred and twenty four, and they've given up the second most shots against with one hundred and forty five yeah. over that span. Uh, big shift, and not only that, uh, the goaltending. I don't want to say it's dropped off because when you're giving up the most second most scoring chances and the most shots against, then that's going to drop off. But the save percentage has dropped from nine point point nine four seven in those first twelve <laughs> games, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, one, don't expect to keep that. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and in the last five games, it, it dropped down to point nine one seven, which isn't awful. It's it's, it's league average, right? But uh, yeah. the problem is is you know giving up the second most shots against and the most scoring chances against and sitting, you know, bottom two in in possession, is not great. And the e- fact that they actually won two of those games is. is mm-hmm somewhat decent i think it was two two and one over those last yeah. five games yeah and even even with uh chicago we still at least got a point out of it you know then end the way we wanted it but also with the backup goalie but also you know i'm not going to sit here and just think that the the ducks have just entered into a realm of which they can't come back yeah they've they've hemorrhaged a lot of shots they're also missing through most of those games three of their top four defensemen 
Name another team that's given up three of their top four defensemen and all of a sudden is just excelling at defense. They're going to give up more chances, more quality chances, and some of those are going to go in. You can't, I mean, leading up to that, you could expect the Ducks goaltending to just stop it at two goals. Uh, and for the most part, they do that. If they go over three, yeah, maybe a little bit off, but they go four or five, it's just a shell of a game for them. But, you know, losing that talent on defense, it's absolutely that top end talent, that's going to, you're going to hemorrhage more goals. It's just going to happen. Might hold on a little while, but eventually it starts catching up to you when Delzato, uh, Gabrunson, and uh, Holzer, and, you know, are the guys you're, you're looking yeah, to to kind of shore the, things up. <laughs> yeah, when that's, uh, that's three of your six, uh, you, you mm-hmm. kind of expect these, and, and all three of those guys are not... I don't want to say that they're not guys who should be in a top six anywhere, and that's no offense to, to Delzato. I mean, I guess it is. It's it's a bit of offense. To, to so, some of them could be top they're, they're, six. They're at, I think they're, <laughs> yeah, maybe, but I don't think if you're a championship team, are, are you? No, right. Let Let's pose it this way: If you're a championship team, are you willing to have Good Branson, Holter, or Delzato as your sixth man? I, I don't think so. I am. It depends how good your top four is. Because <laughs> if your yeah. top four defensemen are are your workhorses and the ones you're going to see most of the time, I, I'm not opposed to a first-round draft pick like Gabrunson being in there and being a physical Ooh, presence. Man. You threw the first-round third overall yeah, draft pick. Yeah, yes, I did. So he hasn't quite lived up to that expectation, but hey, neither has Nick Ritchie. But at the same time, I wouldn't mind them being in that sixth, fifth or sixth role, especially if they're bigger, a little bit more physical. Usually your top four don't tend to be those guys. They tend to be more skill, responsible defensively, but you kind of need some of those guys. So I, if you're asking me straight up, do I think they could fill a five or six role? Yes. But we're asking them to fill a, a second or a third or a fourth line role, and that's not where uh, a championship team would have them. Jimmy, Jimmy's reminding us that that's a Stanley Cup champion, Michael Delzato. Delzato. <laughs> and Stanley respect. Cup champion, Michael Delzato, and former third overall pick, Eric Goodbranson. Yes. So we got to check ourselves a bit there. Uh, Brett brings up a good point, though. The, the issue with the Ducks is they have four, six, or seven guys right now. They've got Holzer, Delzato, Goodbranson, and uh, Jakob Larson. And Jakob Larson, actually, the, the last game that he played was one of his best games. He got his first NHL goal. He's one of the Ducks' best players in that game. But he's still learning, still developing, still feels like it's been forever for him where, you know, from where the Ducks drafted him and, and how, high, I guess, not highly touted, but there was some optimism that he was eventually going to be that top four guy for the Ducks and in not the same mold as Hampus Linton, but a similar player and just a, a kind of a steady, reliable guy. And we're still waiting for that. And, and not to say he's been awful. I think it's tough getting paired with Kerbinian Holzer for most of the season, but he also has not individually done great. And I think there was, you know, a, a nice step forward in the last game but there's still work, some work to be done before Jakob Larson can, I guess, feel safe that he's earned a place on this team for the long run. Yeah, and, you know, as an organization, the Ducks really weren't anticipating going very far. It was mostly, hey, get these guys in, get them some experience, let them learn what they need to do, uh, that sort of deal. Um, so, uh, once again, I, you know, 
if you're expecting the Ducks to just be, you know, with 60 win team or a 50 win team, it's it's not going to happen. If they get in, they're sneaking in, and you're going to have that learning curve. They're going to have those setbacks. They're going to have their successes. Uh, that's going to go from the defense, who are got a lot of young players in there. Maher is another one, and the forwards. Where you look at Max Jones, Steele, Terry, they're still going to have that learning curve. That's going to take a little bit. So when they struggle a little bit. I'm not too worried unless they are just not getting any chances. And the team's still getting chances, and they're going to, like I said, learn. And they're going through a lot of injuries, which we were hoping wouldn't happen, but it seems to be more of a staple uh, than uh, an asterisk. So yeah, you, you work through it. It's early in the season. I'm not going to get too down on any of the players that are young and don't quite have that experience yet. They'll learn, and it's all going to be a learning experience this season for them. Yeah, and Jakob Larson's still 22 years old. He's not <laughs> old time. by any means. Um, <laughs> you know, Maybe he's he's old in the sense that the Ducks have some really young players coming up, and, and yeah. in that sense maybe. But, uh, or we've I, heard I, him forever, you know? Yeah, he, he's like definitely, that name yeah. is like he's coming up, he's coming up, and it's like, all right, well, I've heard that for the last three years. Was like, right. he's only twenty two. Oh, that was older. <laughs> yeah, and I think in, in his case too is it's he's come over from Europe. He's been in the AHL for a while. He's been with the Ducks. I, I think he even played a little bit in his rookie season with the Ducks. He, he played a, I think just under nine games, so they could send him back. So he's been around for a while, uh, and, and you know he kind of got the similar treatment to Cam Fowler, who's on pace for a career year. Cam Fowler played his rookie season with the Ducks. Best year of his career was that first year. He had 10 goals and 40 uh, 40 points on the year. Right now he's on pace for 38 points. Can he reach it? Can he do it? Now he's been been very good. And he's, I think he's put up, what, four goals so far this season? Three or four. So there is some optimism he might hit that. If he stays healthy, if he stays healthy, in my opinion, yeah, he could. I, I don't see if he plays eighty-two games and this style stays the way it is, and especially if we get more of those, like you know, better defensemen back, the Lindholms, the the Mansons, you know, adding Gooley to that, um, you'll start seeing him free up a little bit more. But this style is designed by Aikens, Coach Dallas Aikens, to have the defense move in. I've seen Delzato uh, below the goal line. Delzato's not a goal scorer. Gabrunson's not a goal scorer. But I see them in the play trying to create offense. And then you add someone of Cam Fowler's um, offensive expertise. In my opinion, he hasn't had this opportunity since his rookie year or close to it to actually thrive offensively. So I think if he stays healthy 82 games – I can easily see him getting a, you know, a point every other game. That doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility, and we're talking about a 40-point getter in the Ducks' uh, defense. I mean, we hope so, right? Like that's, I would uh, think so. That's the goal for Cam Fowler is, is to get to that point. That, I mean, that's what's been expected of him since he basically came in and, and had that excellent rookie year. I mean, 40 points by a defenseman in their first season, especially a kid who just came right out of the draft. That puts a lot of expectations on you for for you to improve on that, and and Cam Fowler has not done that yet. He he hasn't surpassed that point total from his rookie season. The closest he got was thirty nine, and yeah, mm-hmm. he he missed a few games that year. I think he played just above seventy games. So it, it's nice to see him 
with a big rebound because last year, not just for him, but last year was a struggle for all Ducks players. And Cam Fowler, <laughs> and Cam Fowler couldn't find a home with anybody. And, and, you know, it was supposed to be with Brandon Montour. And that mm-hmm. never really – they never really got put together last year. It was uh, Fowler and Manson, and, and they were riding that ship into the grave because it just didn't work out for them last year. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, like that Titanic. It's all going down, yeah. baby. Uh, but the – yeah, the other thing too is I think like Cam Fowler is kind of like at the realization. It's like, all right, he's what, 20, 28 now. Se- seems like he's old <laughs> at 28. Yeah. But it's just like – he's been around long enough and I think he's almost gone like, all right, I'm at 28 now. Haven't won the cup. I'm good. I've been good. I mean, talent is good. Uh, my time to take over. Like, I mean, at this point I'm going to be the offensive uh, juggernaut. There's no more Vatan and there's, there's no more Montour where like, Oh, these guys will provide some more offense and cams a good skater can kind of chip in every now and again. It's like, they need me and I want to provide that. So he's, he seems like he's got a completely different drive this season. So that's why I'm more optimistic. He's looking for those chances because now he's in a system that, kind of uh, nurtures that attitude of uh, defense getting in and making plays happen. Yeah, and he has been kind of paired with a bunch of different guys this year because Brennan Gooley's been in and out of the lineup, (laughs) so it's been a tough go for him. Uh, Josh Mahura came up and uh, impressed in the first game, put up three assists that he played in, and he got paired with uh, Cam Fowler, I think, in one of the games before getting sent back down. And, you know, that's a guy I think right now we talked about Jakob Larson. That's a guy who's hot on Jakob Larson's heels right now to come up and take a spot from him. Because Larson can, I believe, still get sent down to San Diego without waivers. I believe he's still waiver exempt, which is ridiculous because we we just talked about how it feels like he's been around for the last four or five seasons. I could be wrong. But if he is waiver exempt you would have to assume Josh Mahura is right behind him and, and it's tough to get anything going in San Diego this year but as we've seen from Mahura in the past every time he comes up with the Ducks he impresses and he he does well and you know he plays to his strengths and that's his passing ability and his skating and uh, you'd have to think that Josh Mahura is knocking on the door but the problem becomes for the Ducks is you know you've got Lindholm and and, and Fowler who are playing good this year and no matter if they were or not, those are your two guys on the top two pairing. And unless you're going to play four or five lefties, there's maybe one or two spots left for Jakob Larson yeah. and Josh Mahura. And and sometimes it's not the best idea to throw one of those guys on their offside. It worked with Brendan Gooley at times, but then Cam Fowler was the guy who shifted over to the right side. Jakob Larson's played on the right at occasion, but he's always found his way back to the left. So you'd have to think right now that final spot between the two young guys comes between Jakob Larson and Josh Mahara. Well, you know where I stand, uh, and uh, I guess most of our listeners would maybe know where I stand on this. Is I'm not a, a big believer in if you're a defenseman playing on your offhand that it's such a detriment and it's so 
so hindering to your game that your stick happens to be in the center of the ice versus along the boards. Yeah, it makes quick, uh, oh, you got to get it out. It makes it easier to do it on your forehand versus your backhand. But I think when your forehand is on the inside, you are more open to making moves around. So I'm not opposed to guys that not are not playing their normal wing. As long as they feel comfortable doing it, and some guys won't be, but if they're comfortable doing it, Cam Fowler started just all of a sudden experimenting with it out of necessity once Carlisle left. And he, all of a sudden, you just saw this guy darting in and out of, of plays and moving the puck out versus, you know, just chip out, move on, and, you know, change. Whether that's the, the style of play or just that, hey, let's play on your off wing and see if you get a little bit more opportunities. You're willing to hold the puck a little bit more, make better play. And it just, I, I, I'm not a big believer in the hands your handedness yeah you have to be in that lane well you've always been on that train right yeah we talked about this uh multiple times on the post game show already that as, as long as you can play uh there should be the best six guys in the lineup at all times uh i'm i'm i kind of subscribe to that theory <laughs> but i, I do <laughs> i do like having at least two right-handed shots in the lineup and i and i think the ducks are a perfect kind of case example of that this season and the fact that, you know, right now their top two right-handed shots are, are Eric Branson and, and Kirby and Holzer. And, yeah. you know, you look at, you know, would you rather have Jakob Larson and Josh Maher and even Michael Delzato in over those two, you could make the case for it. So there, there is an argument there. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, one guy we, we have to get to, cause we really haven't talked about him much is, uh, is Eric Goodbranson. Not so, yeah. not so good Branson so far. This year, uh, six games uh-huh. with the Ducks so far. One goal. Yeah, one goal, which I <laughs> I still think Ryan Getzlaff tipped it, but uh, no, I don't. The think NHL, the NHL has, has determined that uh, that's Eric Branson's goal. I know it didn't hit off Sam Steele in front; it hit off Auliana. No. But I still yeah. win. I should throw this but, up on the stream because I okay, yeah. I'll pull it up. But the angle that they showed it when they slowed it down, it looks like. Ryan Getzlaff gets a small piece of this because it takes a deflection and kind of dips down. Now this <laughs> it, could be a it does. Puck, but. Yeah, I think it does, but I think it's the the first layer of the uh, um, was it Vancouver, right? Uh, this was would have been Vancouver. The yeah, was it the Vancouver game? No, because uh, Silverberg and Getzlaff no. that game. Yeah, Chicago, so uh, Chicago. Really yeah. No, because that, that deflects and Getzloff goes, gets the puck later and says that's his first goal. So he grabs the puck and goes, I don't know if he wants it, but he grabbed it from the linesman and like he was mic'd up for that game. And and then he's like, yeah, it, it's good's goal. It's, uh, you know, I don't know if he wants the puck. And he like throws it to whatever trainer or whatever. But so, is Ryan Getzloff the type of guy – to oh, take no. <laughs> a goal away from somebody, especially a guy scoring his first goal. No, because I didn't even think he was even that close to deflecting it. I, I think he, I he, he's, the, he's the one who threw it up up to Gabrunson, and uh, Gabrunson fired it away. I didn't see – I watched that whole the whole slow-mo where they kind of follow in the puck all the way there. Um, I didn't think Sam still deflected it at all either. Um, but, yeah, it changes direction. I mean, it, it, it doesn't have a straight – trajectory towards the goal but i don't think it's getzloff where it changes direction i think it's the first layer of the chicago 
I don't want to say defense as a forward, but you know when they're yeah. out there trying to challenge, that's well, where we, all we've the got it. Uh, we've got it on the stream now, and the initial okay. shot for Good Branson definitely hits a Chicago Something. player's stick. I can't see which Chicago player it is, and Whoever then it the starts knuckling, yeah. and then it takes a it takes about a half a foot drop, right? Which if it knuckles, Ryan gets that left. will right, and that and will. I I that's where I couldn't make the the. T- the determination if Ryan gets left tipped because it knuckles down right when he kind of throws his stick in that direction. Uh, and I'm not sure if he tipped it. I was subscribing to the theory that he did tip it to begin with. But uh, I mean I'll give it I'll give credit where credit's due for Eric Branson getting his first goal. That's besides the point because we knew coming in uh having good Branson was going to be an adventure in, in his own zone for him. And it has been, which, again, like I said, is is to be expected. Uh, his shot attempt, Corsi 4 percentage, is 41.92. That's, I believe, third worst on the Ducks over that span. Uh, he's, uh, his expected goals per 60, expected goals against, is 2.83, which is, I think, third or fourth worst on the Ducks. And he's playing about 17 minutes per game. So it's, he's not playing over 20, but he's still making a significant impact where it looks like Obviously, Hampus Lindholm is carrying the load on that top pairing with whoever he gets paired with, and I think Goodbranson's been kind of that guy lately. But it, it seems like Goodbranson is just getting thrown out there five on five, and occasionally we've seen him on the penalty kill, which I guess is a good thing because if you're going to want him to play anywhere, you don't want him playing on the penalty kill. He's uh, been – I don't know. <laughs> what, how do you feel about him? Because he's been what we expected in the sense that it yeah. was always not going to be great. Um. Yeah, man, it, it's an I, interesting one. I don't feel like he's been bad. Like, it, it, you know, if, if you're expecting him not to come in and uh, just, you know, replace a top two defenseman on a team, not going to happen. Um, has, he, has he looked bad? Has he looked slow? Has he looked out of place? No more than anybody else on defense. Uh, so, in my opinion, I think he's... He's a little bit better because I was I was worried about all those underlying stats that he has and all those underlying stats just say, oh, he's the worst. He's worse than the worst. How is he in the NHL? And I look at him, he looks like an NHL player, but I mean, he's not top NHL player. He's just, you know, five, six and he's a big dude, uh, but he doesn't look slow, doesn't really look out of place to me. He's got a niche that's going to help, but he's, you know, he's going to fight with uh Stanley Cup champion, and um, you know just you're, you're, Michael Delzato, and then um, Holzer. I mean, he'll be there. I think he's more brought in to be big and physical in case Holzer's not there. So essentially, he's like, is he a little bit better than Holzer? And that's where yeah. that's where I try and place him. Is he better than Holzer? Yes, Holzer becomes obsolete in my opinion at this point. And right now we're just we're forcing him into play higher because now we're missing three of our top four guys. The problem for me is is he is maybe better than Holzer, but we can't. You know, the again the the problem therein lies. Can we the fact that we can't determine if he's better than Kubinian Holzer by just looking at it or looking at the underlying stats is kind of a concerning sign there. And just the fact that he he makes this much money and the Ducks have him under contract for next year too. Like, if this was a one-off and you're like, ah, you know, we brought him in and we've got injuries, so oh, what it is yeah. what it is, and he's gone at the end of the year. 
No, the Ducks have him under contract for just over $4 million for next season, too. And Corey Perry's uh, buyout hit jumps from, I think, around 2 to $6 million for next season. So the Ducks kind of get handcuffed in cap-wise, which doesn't affect them for resigning players because there's nobody big that they have to resign at the end of this year. The only hit that takes is if they want to go out and add any players, whether it be at the deadline this year. Uh, Bob Murray never likes going after rentals, so you would think any addition would be a guy who has some term. That restricts it because you got to think to the future for that one. And getting guys in free agency, which I know Bob Murray doesn't do really ever, but it does kind of impact that. And the fact that it's Eric Branson impacting that at probably about two to three million more than he should be making, that's that's the only concern I have with it. Because right now I get it. I understand the move. I wasn't against it and the fact that, you know, Josh Manson, you left yourself in a position that if Josh Manson got hurt, it was Caribbean Holzer and that's it, and you had a couple that's guys it. in the yeah. AHL. So you've kind of put yourself in this position, so a move had to be made. But I don't think that was the right move considering the term that he had. Yeah, the the term's a little concerning, but I won't say a little. It's it's pretty concerning. Um, they, I don't know. I mean, they're they're going to have to figure stuff out. But the one thing I think Bob Murray's pretty good at is working things around. And I believe at this point, there's a few different teams that probably owe him a favor trade more than uh, than uh, he owes other people. So I think he wants to give the team the best opportunity to at least make the playoffs because let's look at the Pacific Division and where are the Sharks? I mean, that was a team that we thought yeah, would the, be the one, right two. Now, it's it's Edmonton, hard. Vancouver, and Arizona, I believe, are one, two, and three. Vegas the is Ducks right aren't that far there, away. Right. The no, Ducks aren't the that Ducks far are away. Yeah. So I mean, it, like, if it's something where we can at least get back into the playoffs, get some maybe some more of that experience, that might be worth uh, you know the hard press salary cap we feel next season. So uh, I can kind of see it. Like I said, I, I want to see a little bit more of Gabrenson playing in what his element's supposed to be, and that's five six, not trying to play above wh- what he can do and right now they're asking them to do that until players kind of get back into the fold i think once it gets back into the everyone gets back in the fold he fills into where he needs to be and it doesn't look as bad yeah the price is pretty bad but i think we can always make moves around to kind of shed some of that salary cap it doesn't look as bad at the end of the season hopefully just hope yeah matt matt just chimed into the chat and said how would we feel if good branson was sent down and claimed on waivers uh, that basically would just negate the whole me. thing. It, 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 yeah, <laughs> well, it, and I, I don't think I think I'd be indifferent on it because you know I, I I agreed with the move on a whole depth standpoint, but I honestly before that move was made, I would have rather seen Yanni Hackenpah come back up or Chris Weidman come up, and at least get them a chance to see if they can do because I feel like they could come up and essentially do what Good Branson is doing right now potentially, but we didn't see it. And the reason Good Branson, the Good Branson trade was made is because the Ducks put themselves in a position where they had no depth down in San Diego, so calling up those guys wasn't an option, and you had to go out and make a move. And the big the big fish were, were too much. Ristolainen was too much. You, you couldn't go out and, and get uh, you know somebody else who cost more. I mean, we heard the, the price for Ristolainen was ridiculous, so... Well, I mean, not only not only Ristolainen, they were they were trying for Falk, they were trying for Shattenkirk. I mean, they were tr- like Bob Murray was trying to get an elite defenseman, a right-handed shot defenseman, 
could not make it work. And so at this point, you can go, oh, how did he get confronted? It's like everybody else he tried to get either didn't want to come here. That's it. Didn't want to come here. Shattenkirk didn't want to come here. We offered more money, more term. I mean, you're not wrong. Did do it. Yeah. Uh, Shattenkirk didn't want to come here. here. He didn't want to come here. He wanted to go to St. Louis. And it's just like, okay, well, what's the dude supposed to do? I mean, he's he's at this point, this was in the works for a while. Josh Manson goes down. He's like, all right, let's let's pull the trigger now. I mean, whatever. And I don't think we gave up a ton. We just took a lot of salary cap. But at that point, we're desperate because literally – Everyone has the perception that Anaheim's not going to be good for a while, and no veteran, well-known name is going to come on this team, at least at that point, because the perception was Anaheim's not going to be good this year. They're not going to be good for a while, which was the wrong perception in my opinion, but that's that was the perception of the league. Well, we go from lack of depth to too much depth. So we mm. go from, from defense to forward for the Ducks. I was going to go look, Looking at, uh, yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> the Ducks have a ton of depth on, uh, in net, but uh, looking yeah. at who led the way over these last three games, Sam Steele led the way with three points, all of them assists. He had a two-point two night, I believe, against the Blackhawks and had one assist in the last game. He started turning it on offensively. He's now up to six assists in 13 games, but by no means uh, is that lighting the lamp. But he's looked at home. He's looked probably the most consistent and the most NHL-ready of the four prospects that the Ducks have playing with the team right now. And he played a couple games at wing, moved away from center for a few of those games too. Are you impressed with Sam Steele? Are you? Do you think he has? You know, there's more to give from him, or are you impressed with the way his development's gone so far? I like where his development is. What I've heard from, I guess, you and Pat is like, oh, this guy is, you know, he's he's there. He's that guy. And I feel like he's not up to that level. Like you guys will put him well ahead of uh, um, Henrique and maybe below Getzloff as far as uh, talent. And in my opinion, he's below Henrique. He can he's close, but he's not quite there. So I'm waiting to see where Sam Steele starts exploding past that. Now, obviously, short sample size, and in short sample size, he's done it amazing. But, you know, as much as I've heard about how great he is going to be, he hasn't hit that plateau, in my opinion. I think he's benefited from the fact that we don't have a lot of center depth, but he's very talented, and I'm, I am happy to see where he's at. And I think there's more to give, and I can't wait for him to hit that. Even picked him up my fantasy league. Well, in which one did you pick him up in the keeper league, or did you pick him up in the? That's I that's a different whole different wish, strategy, right there. Wish I could remember, but I think it was the keeper league. All right, but I got come to on there too, so maybe I didn't. Maybe it was the other one, whichever one he was available in. Uh, that being said, uh, I'm happy with him. I think his development's better, Terry. Still, once again, I, I feel I don't know if I'm jaded because I've just I feel like the hype. I'm waiting for the hype to match what I'm yeah. seeing on the ice, and the hype uh, that what's on the ice hasn't matched the hype yet. So Steel is probably more looks more comfortable, looks more in his element. Terry looks close to his element, but almost like glimpses of last year, where it's just like he's he's there. But not quite there, and he's just missing. And the Max Jones, same thing as last year. It's like you can see the raw talent, but he's just not quite hitting what he needs to do. 
And then the defense has actually been more surprising. The Mahura and the, the Larsons coming in and, and doing their thing and looking normal and like in place. Like uh, in my opinion, I, I feel those guys have looked more NHL ready uh, than than the forwards. But yeah, let's you know. let's let's break down th- uh, the rest of those guys. So we talked about Sam Steele, and, and mm-hmm. I think we can I, maybe we can all agree that he's probably looked the best of the four. Uh, but you brought up the two of the remaining three in, in, in Troy Terry and Max Jones, and then obviously Maxim Comtois was part of that. Yes. Uh, yeah. This was a question we had last year, and, and you mm-hmm. just mentioned hype, and hype gets brought into it a lot when you're talking about prospects. I, I think a lot of people, and you know, I've been victim of this before, and I've been <laughs> guilty of this, but uh, we overhype what Troy Terry, Maxim Comtois, and Max Jones can become. And you look at their production so far, and again, they're still young. And for you know, for Comtois, this is his first, you know, basically really? is his first full season over playing ten games, and, and essentially it is for for Troy Terry and, and for Max Jones as well. Troy Terry right now, two goals, two assists in seventeen games. Maxim Comtois two goals and three assists in twelve games, and uh, Max Jones has one assist, no goals in thirteen games. Now, if we if we take out their names. And just put those stat lines up. It's not impressive, right? No. I think there's concern right there that you're getting a lack of scoring from three players who are playing. I guess two of those three are playing in your top six, right? Or your yeah. top nine, and they're they're playing some significant minutes. Maxim Comtois isn't bad. Two goals and three assists in in, in twelve games is is not bad at all. It, it's close to you know a point every other game, so it it's not awful. And mm-hmm. I think he's probably looked second best. But I I do have some concern because I I feel like the the Ducks' lack of scoring and, and the way you know their system is set up this year uh, it it kind of impacts them a bit. But if we're talking about them living up to the hype and being the type of players that they've been hyped up to be, then it then you 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 can be concerned in that sense. Where I don't think these are guys on their own who can carry and drive play. And and in that then it, it becomes the players you put around them and how well they do. I feel like that's the pieces the Ducks have here in Troy Terry, Maxim Comtois, and Max Jones. Is you put a good team around them, they can be a very effective players in in a top nine. But I don't think Troy Terry is a guy who's gonna is gonna carry a line on his own, and I don't think Maxim Comtois is gonna be a guy who can carry a line on his own. And, and Max Jones, I, I still as you know as great as his physical play is and, and his intensity and his compete compete level and his effort is. I just I still worry about the finishing ability, and you know we said last year that you know he was bad luck, and and if that doesn't continue into next year, then it's not a concern. But we're 13 games in, he has one assist, and I know he's been playing a lot on the fourth line, but at some point you gotta you gotta get concerned about that. Yeah, I mean, I can understand being concerned, but I can also just understand that you know maybe in this one instance maybe they're they're rushing him it sucks it he's he's kind of in that in-between zone and uh the the reason that they got or max jones specifically got sent down was just that he has to work on certain parts of his game and dallas akins even said like listen he's he's got to be I'm going to paraphrase here, balls to the walls if he's uh, in practice, in games. And the other thing that he said is I got, shoot. I got those comments yes. so we can read them <laughs> off here. Just, I threw them in there because I knew they'd come up. But uh, yeah. some of the comments, if you haven't read it, it's from Elliot, one of Elliot Tiefert's most recent articles. Uh, Great article. Akins gave, 
gave some uh, pretty good comments on, on what Max Jones has to work on. Uh, and this is what he said. So he said, for Max, it's really simple. For each and every shift and every practice, practice, he has to be highly competitive. That's first and foremost. The second thing he's got to do is he's got to build trust and responsibility through great puck management. And the last thing is he needs to work for his chances and then be simplistic when they're there. That's something that comes. We had him in San Diego, and he was just prone to – he would get to and he would have it in the slot, and the shot was there, and then it was just one more move. He doesn't need it. The kid's got a rocket of a shot. And basically just goes on to say, like, Max Jones is making too many decisions when he has the puck. And we've seen that. You know, he's made some highlight real plays where he's, he's deked around a defender, but the shot was there. And I think, you know, like you said, I think it was a mix of them sending him down as kind of a statement and also the fact that they weren't playing, so he gets a game in with San Diego, and then he comes back up the next day. So it's a mix of that. But they're just telling him to, to, you know, make it a bit simpler. And and that's kind of been a problem for Max uh, through each of the levels that I've, I've watched him at so far. Yeah, he's got to figure out what he is as a player. Like, I, I can look at him and I can I can see a lot of a Matthew Kachuk type player uh, in Calgary, where he's he's got an edge to his game. He'll be you know he'll be in your face. He'll he'll annoy the hell out of you, and he won't back down from anything. But he's got talent at the same time, and he can do it. But yeah, it just seems like the the one extra play to try and make something happen just ends up not working as well. And if you could just be quick. And, and learn it. That's just what it is now. It's just quick shots beat goalies. If you give a goalie a, an extra chance or an extra moment to, to move, get sat up, focus on you, that's when you lose it. I mean, it might work and it might be a highlight real goal and great, but if you keep missing opportunity after opportunity, trying, chasing the dragon there, it's not going to work out. So simplify it get those goals. Once those goals start happening, now goalies start thinking you're going to shoot right away, and then those other opportunities open up a little bit better. You get a little bit bigger. You get a little bit more um, experience at when is the right time to pull that move, and I think he's just pulling that move a little too often, trying to get the highlight reel goal. It's just like, put the puck in the net. Just ignore everything. Get the puck in the net. Get the dirty goals, and you'll progress in your career, and you can start doing those fancy things later. So is it is it as simple for Max Jones as just simplifying his game? Like it, it is it you know? If I he, love his game. I love I, I love I love the compete level. I love <laughs> the effort. I love the physicality. But the, you know, is it is the offense going to come if he just simplifies his game like that? That's to me, and I get it, and and I agree with it in some sense. But it sounds sounds so vague for a player now over you know half season split between two different seasons. That has struggled to put the puck in the back of the net. I, I mean, simplifying his game just kind of seems like a vague solution at this point for him. Like he's all of a sudden just going to become a twenty goal scorer if he just <laughs> stops making the extra move. No, I, I don't think they're. I don't think he's saying you know simplify your entire game. I want him to do everything he's been doing, and then the second the puck is there, slap at it. Just slap at it. Watch them start going in, and and you, all of a sudden you got six, ten goals in a season. That's something to build on for next season. Next season you get a little bit bigger, a little bit smarter, a little bit quicker. I mean, he's young enough that he is going to improve physically, skill-wise, year after year. He doesn't have to try and play and make the skill highlight real move every single time to score goals. And I think if he keeps trying to do that and he becomes less and less successful – 
it becomes he's he's got all the right tools he's just not finishing it's almost in a completely <laughs> different physical aspect a cogliano thing the skills there the finishing touch just isn't i'd rather him do because he can create plays on his own he's very much like akasha where he's dynamic where he do, it doesn't matter if he's playing on the fourth line the first line second or third line the guy's gonna create his own chances he's gonna create his own plays and his opportunities but then he gets that opportunity and then he just tries to do that extra move or that extra two moves and it doesn't work out or he makes that one pass that just doesn't make sense at the time. It's just focus on just getting the puck in the net. That's it. Just go hard, get those dirty goals, and then seasons passing, you'll eventually start getting that timing down, that that expertise of experience, and then you'll start seeing those highlight reel goals. I just feel like if he does that, he'll probably – be better than zero goals in 13 games right two yeah, goals yeah. last season i i think i think it's a slow burn with max mm-hmm. jones in, in the He'll sense that it, it, he's going to be a project for a couple of seasons yeah. and i think eventually when he figures it out he's going to be a valuable piece in your top nine uh, it, it's just having the patience for him to get there and, and there, there are plenty of players like this where they, they've got the tools physically and, and just they're capable of, of creating offense. It's just they haven't figured out that consistency at the NHL level yet. And we've seen players that they'll come into the league and, and teams will give up on, on them. And then they go to a new team and maybe it's right away or, or you know a season later they figure things out. And then and you have the other team looking back on it saying, why the hell did we give this guy up? I feel like Max Jones could be that guy. The Ducks are just going to have to be patient. And, yeah. and I think I think for him he's doing everything right, and and it just comes down to like they said in, in a way simplifying your game yeah, and, and just and just getting the experience. I mean, playing a full you know seventy to eighty games this year is going to be big for Max, and you know maybe he figures it out quicker than than we think. But I think for him it's going to be a bit of a project. Uh, Maxim Comtois has been pretty decent, as we said, and, and Troy Terry I think is is one to keep an eye on uh, on whether he's going to. To figure it out, I I think for where the Ducks got him in the fifth round, it, yeah. it's definitely not bad. But the hype, I think, that people surrounded around him is a little. It's put more pressure on him to be better than he has been, because you know four points in seventeen games is not good. It, it it's not bad for a young player, and especially if you if you take everything out of the equation and say you know we drafted this guy in the fifth round. You know, he played NCAA, he's coming over, he, he's not played a full season yet. He's been, you know, mixing up lines, playing anywhere from the first, second, or third line. And he's got four points in 17 games, and he's looked okay. I think that's fine. But then you throw all the hyper that's surrounded around Troy Terry playing at, at the World Championships and, and being a hero for the U.S. Colorado. World Juniors and, and being a hero at Denver. And and like all of that on top of it, there was a lot of high expectations around around a guy who's probably, you know, around where he should be at this point. Yeah, I, I guess that's it. And they're giving him the opportunity to play higher up in the lineup. And yeah, I mean, if four points, I mean, Brownie, I think has four five, goals, five four goals, goals and an assist. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah. so I mean, and that's that's fourth line. What's Derek Grant at? I mean, so. I'm more disappointed in how Terry plays. I guess that might be expectations, but it's also been waiting around. Uh, he played at the end of the season, or I think maybe in the playoffs, 
Um, two years ago, yeah. Two years ago. Last year, you know, played the first few games, was disappointing, left, you know, got the whole build up being in the AHL came in, was impressive. And then this year, four points and you know, two goals in 17 games. That's just not where you have somebody who you're constantly putting your top nine. And so I'm waiting for that to happen. You know, it's, I'm more concerned about him than I am Max Jones. Like, I think Max Jones has the body and the type to play. Uh, Terry might, but, you know, if he's going to be a quick, skilled, fast player, your window is a lot smaller in the NHL nowadays. And so if you're not hitting that early on, you know, let's let's give him time early in the season. You know, we need that secondary scoring. So we, we need goals, and it's still not quite happening at the pace we quite need it. And, you know, some of these young guys need to kind of step up a little bit. And I think Troy Terry was probably the one that everyone was looking at to produce more offense than anybody else. All right. Last uh, last couple Ducks topics before we, we move into our new NHL segment on this show, which we'll get to in a bit. But uh, one of the last things I want to touch on here is Andre Kasha. He returned to the lineup against uh, the Minnesota Wild after suffering what, what turned out not to be a concussion. Uh, it was a hmm. jaw injury is, hmm. what it w- what, is what it was reported as. Now you, yeah. can, you can put on a, a tinfoil hat on that if you want and, <laughs> and uh, you know, go out and, and make all kind of, kinds of conspiracy theories on whether he had a concussion or not, but it was reported as a jaw injury. Uh, but surprise, surprise, Andre Kasha has been the Ducks, probably the Ducks' best play driver when you look at the, the underlying stats behind it. His course four percentage, so the way you know he controls shot attempts at 5-on-5 five five is 59.09. His expected goals four percentage is 55.09. And his high danger chances four when he's on the ice is 66.67. And all of those are either one, two, or three on the Ducks. And if you take out the guys who've only played a couple games, Andre Kasha is usually number one in all three of those categories for the Ducks. Despite driving play, though, pointless in his last four. Yeah, but I don't care. <laughs> I mean, if, he, if, if he's, <laughs> he's doing, doing everything right. If you look, if, I mean, he, he passes the, the fancy stats, uh, the eye test. The only thing is just the puck hasn't quite gone the in the net. Is, is yeah, the stat sheet's the only thing that's not being his friend right now. And uh, you'll have that. You'll you'll get lulls. Tammy Solani went through a goal droughts uh, throughout his career. That's a thing that happens. But if he's driving, driving play, he's every time he's a threat at any point. Almost fought Greenwall the other night, which wouldn't have been a good idea. Greenway is a big kid. He's six, six, and he had an attitude that game too. And it was just like a little bump, but like even like like Kasha gave him a little slash on the leg. I'm like, dude, you just came back from John's. Don't fight the biggest dude on their team. But, you know, I mean, that that guy's going to get chances, going to get goals. Uh, the only thing I ever care about Kasha is can he stay healthy? His his style is, I don't want to say reckless. It's just it's high without, energy. It's without concern. It's like yeah. I, all I care about is that puck in that net, and that's – that's my focus. It's like a, a dog. You just and, and that that can you, be a you good chase, thing. <laughs> yeah, but you it, can. Ch- it it's, can be bad. 
it's like a, ch- a dog chasing a, you know, its tail or a car. It's like, uh, oh, uh, what is it? Uh, from uh, Batman uh, Dark Knight. It's like a dog just chasing a thing. If I get it, I, I don't know what to do with it. I just, I just got it. That's all I want. And that's him. It's just getting it, moving it, getting it to the net. That's all he wants to do. And he's super happy if he can do it. But almost he puts himself in bad spots sometimes because of it. So my only concern with Kasha has always been just health-wise. He'll get goals. The stats will follow eventually. You just can't do what he does and not eventually get stats. On that point then, two years out from what could be an interesting contract decision on Andre Kasha, right now he's at a a very team-friendly deal just making a little bit over $2 million. What goes into that contract discussion obviously a lot of it depends on his production over the next two years but let's just assume he you know scratches the surface on 30 goals and 50 points over the next two years how do you how do you approach that because you know i, I would assume at that point under a would be looking for a long-term deal somewhere around six or seven years to give himself some stability especially with the injury history but if you're the ducks do you do that do you risk the injury nope. and, and get him locked down or do you lock him in for short term two or three years again and hope that either he doesn't walk at ufa years or that you don't have to pay this guy a boatload more money if he produces at a high level in his prime well um you know his his prime i think is going to be these next two years um uh, when he's up for renewal he's unrestricted like i mean does he hit free agency if we don't resign him uh i'll double check that i I believe i believe he's he's still a restricted at the end of this contract but i'll double check before we we get into that but either way it's i uh, don't i i don't put long term on kasha i i was one of the people that you know even as as Falk hasn't done amazing in St. Louis stats wise, I'm still one of those people that would say I'd rather have traded Kasha since that was the rumor for Falk. Uh, in my opinion, um, you get that many concussions that early in your career and that style that he plays leaves him susceptible to more. He gets a mysterious jaw injury that keeps him out for six games. You don't believe Just, him, do you? You you think uh, you, I mean, you, do, you, here, do you believe that was a concussion or do you think it was a, a jaw injury? I don't know a jaw injury that doesn't somehow affect your your mind. And, and I'm I'm sorry if you have a jaw injury and you haven't fractured it, you just you put a protector over the bottom of it and you right. go out and you play again. You, you don't miss. What is it? Two, three weeks. You know, he's just now skating with the team. If you got a jaw injury. You can still skate, no contact, but you can still do stuff. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that he missed that amount of time. Wasn't skating for how long? Because he had a jaw injury. A jaw. Like he sprained his jaw. I don't get me wrong. That could happen. But that doesn't keep you out of skating. Doesn't keep you out of other things. So. I'm hesitant to do that or, or think that that's the only thing. I think maybe keep it undercover and hopefully it's not a thing. But they said he passed percussion, you know, concussion protocol. But I, I, I'm so wary of someone who's had a concussion every single year he's played professionally, gets unexpectedly hit, and it's a, just a jaw injury, which is a head injury, and then all of a sudden can't skate for a while. It's like, uh, all right. 
they didn't break it. And, uh, all right. Um, okay. All right, buddy. I mean, yeah, it I just, guess, it just uh, doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. I guess we'll I'm never know. <laughs> we'll we'll never know. But they won't uh, Andre, tell us. Ed. They won't tell us. <laughs> no, uh, we're we're in the dark on that one. But Andre Kasha is uh, in RFA at the end of these next two years, so it's going to be an interesting contract discussion. I think a lot of that stems from one, if he suffers any more injuries before that time comes, and two, what uh, what his production is up until that point. If he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't miss any games due to injury from here till that contract ends, I give him a short term. I still don't give him a long term. At no point, I mean, as much as he drives play, as great as his upside, that downside is is ninety percent in my opinion. He's he's gonna get injured. He's gonna miss games. It could be Dupre. It just he takes the wrong hit the wrong time. You never see him play again. Yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely a tough decision. Uh, I, I'm, I mean, I still think, I, I still think when he gets to that point, if he hasn't suffered any more injuries and he ha- if he does hit 30, especially in back-to-back seasons, uh, this year and next, I think you got to lock this guy down for five or six years. He'll be 25 and you, you want to lock him through past, you know, 30 into 31. I don't think you go seven or, or eight. Cause I don't think you want to work, you know, him getting into 32 or 33 and, and once the speed starts to go, and I think that's a massive part of Andre Cash's game. He is a very cerebral player, but the the problem I think for him is once the speed starts to go, that I think that's going to be a big concern for a player who relies heavily on on the motor that he has. So I, I still I think I think four or five, maybe six, I think is where I'd go. But it all depends on on the injury issues up until that point. Yeah. Uh, last topic we have before we move in into the the NHL segment, uh, Braden Tracy. Absolutely on fire with Moose Jaw. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to have to I, I update this because I, I don't know if he's played since the weekend, but the last two games that I checked up on him, back-to-back hat-tricks, mm. seven goals across that span. He's now leading the WHL in points per game. He has eight goals and eight assists, 16 points in eight games, so he's just eight balling it up. <laughs> oh, is that it? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's been, uh, and I think the big, the big concern about Braden Tracy was last year he played with two OAs. It was his rookie year. Uh, sorry, overagers. So <laughs> those guys generally do a lot better, uh, in, because they've been around the league for a while, and then they're about three years older than uh, the other players in the league. So you never know if the production is his. And, yeah, uh, it's easy to sync up with them and. Your stats go up a little right. bit higher because of it, right? And uh, so, Braden Tracy didn't—he he went pointless in the last game, but the last two games before that, he, he nah, played forget seven it. goals. And now nah, he's a dead. It's uh, it's over. But no, he he is leading <laughs> the the uh, WHL at one point seven eight points per game, sixteen points in nine games played. Uh, a, a pretty hot week for Braden Tracy, and then uh, Trevor Zegris still playing <laughs> on the top line for Boston Killing University. It. Scored a goal from his knees, which was pretty sweet. <laughs> uh, and then before they, a couple weeks prior to that, he set up uh, set up uh, Patrick Curry on the power play with a, a nice cross ice pass, and he scored a pretty sweet goal himself. So he's he's uh, looking pretty comfortable. And I think you look at you know these were the top two picks for the Ducks last year's draft. Uh, pretty safe to say so far, early returns are looking good on those two guys. Yeah, yeah, and you know, can't get him over to uh, the goals soon enough at this point because we need kind of help everywhere in that situation. So 
yeah. it's good. And one thing the Ducks do is they 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 draft well. So um, you know, happy for it. It's good. Zegers is the guy we're hoping can kind of be that Getzloff replacement as the time becomes. So you know. Yay. Yeah, we hope so. <laughs> Sooner rather than later, because Zegris yes. has stated multiple times, and even when we had him on the show, that uh, he would like to play for the Ducks at the end of the season, depending on how his year goes in the NCAA. So hopefully we can see some of that. Uh, we, we're hoping to get this in right at the hour mark, but of course we went a little bit over. But the, awesome. the new segment we have on the show is called The Shootout, and it's brought mm-hmm. to you by Cool Hockey, and that's where we kind of <gasps> talk about some of the, the biggest NHL headlines that have been going around lately. And uh, the first one I had to get to, because we mentioned this on Pucks and Brews, and we were talking about, I think, just the Svechnikov goal. Maybe we discussed the Kachuk goal, too. But Andre Svechnikov scored the first lacrosse goal, not the Michigan. He scored the first lacrosse goal. Oh, yeah, the Michigan goal, yeah. Yeah, he scored the first one in NHL history. And then uh, the next night, Matthew Kachuk says, hey, I, I, you know, whatever you can do, I can do better. I can do better. <laughs> and uh, he one times a puck from the hash marks with a shot between the legs. Yeah. Uh, what, what goal for you was better? Which one, is, which one is harder and which one was more impressive? <sighs> the... Keep in mind, Andrei Svechnikov did not score this goal when they were up 6-1. to one. This was a, t- a game-tying goal late Understood. in the period. But Matthew Kachuk did a between-the-legs play from the hash marks, beating, I believe right now, the best goalie in the NHL, stats-wise, as far as Pecorine. Beats him top corner with one second left in overtime to beat the best team in the Western Conference, Nashville Predators. And he doesn't do it from in tight where he's like got time to think it out and do it. He literally just, there's the puck. Oh, I got to do with this move. Shoots it. Somehow does it between the lake from that far away, that high, that quick, that accurately. I I gotta give the edge there to Matthew Chuck. As as great as the the Michigan is from Smetchikov, it's almost like all right, I've planned this, I've tried this, I'm gonna do it, and uh, you, and, know, you know it, it was good. We're splitting Sve- hairs here. Smetchikov <laughs> but- tried this last year, and it hit Fair. the crossbar. So it's not like. <laughs> And and as much as I think it takes a lot of skill to pull this move off, I you know I I can't pull this move off. I um, but we see a lot of kids are able to pull this off. This is a move like you mentioned this on on pucks and brews. This gets anybody can do this now. Not I mean not anybody, but you can do yeah. this move. This is a move that isn't that the 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 technicality of it is not hard to pull off. But the yeah. balls to pull that off in an NHL game, I think he has to get some credit for that, especially in a tight game where they were losing. <laughs> but, yeah, for, for me, that Matthew Kachuk goal, uh, yeah. it, it has to take the cake. Like, it, it's hard enough to pull that move off and get a top corner just from a regular standing position or coming up from behind the net where we see norm- normally this move get pulled off. But to one-time it and get enough power on it to put a top <laughs> corner on a goalie who's 6'6", six, 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 six or 6'7", six, with yeah, one second left in overtime. A, pure desperation and saying, this is the only way I'm going to get this shot on net. And just had and no just, time for anything else. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, that, that that has to take the cake. And I, I give Svechnikov all the credit in the world for pulling that move off. It, it was unreal, and, and he ended up getting the game winner, too, uh, on that night as well in the power play. So... You know, all the credit what? to Svechnikov, but that Matthew Kachuk goal, I think it, that one takes the cake. Yeah, 
you know, once again, just just splitting hairs on it. But yeah, I mean, the 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 Michigan was done in 1993 or 91 or something like that. So I mean, the move has been there, and even the you know between well, the legs. This leg is thing, the it's, Malik, right? The, 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 the between the legs has been done before, but I think it's done. The, but it's usually done either in in tight, in, in close, and you know, it's a plan thing where Matthew Chuck was like. Literally, there it is. This is the only thing I know how to do right now, and I'm just yeah. going to do it. And he does it, and he puts it, and he does it from so far away. No one That's pulls that thing. move the from distance, that far away. The distance and getting it <laughs> top corners for me. Yeah. Um, next thing, and it's another debate question. Ooh. Can and, and we're looking at the way Vancouver's played this year. Can JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, and Brock Besser rival Brad Marchand, uh, Patrice <laughs> Bergeron, and David Pasternak for the best line? In hockey, and I know that you know, I, I got laughed adorable. at on Twitter for this earlier. That's but adorable. if you look at possession and, and, and shot attempts this year, Miller, Pedersen, and Besser are all, I believe, in the top five or top ten points wise. I, I think, other than Pasternak and Marshan, I, I believe Bergeron's kind of been like the third wheel on that line where he has he's not been bad, but, but I think Pasternak's got 30 points in 15 games, and Marshan's right up there with him. But, man, Elias Pettersson has been on, on a tear. JT Miller's got, uh, I believe, 15 or 16 maybe for more points. And then Brock Best has been very good. Like, the, there's a chance that they could be up there. All right. Here's how I would answer your love of Vancouver from a Ducks perspective. The Ducks have played both teams. Which top line had more success? Oh, come on. Pasternak <laughs> with that. four goals or... We beat them two to one, and they. I think. Uh, uh, I think Pedersen had. The, one the shot? question though is: is the, is the line better? Not as David Pasternak the best player F, of, of yes. the six. That line was was or probably be better. Anything could happen. Anyone can possibly be better. But is there anyone better right now than Pasta? Marshawn and Bergeron. I mean, no. technically, right now, nobody's better than Pasternak and Marshawn because Pasternak and Marshawn are one and two in league scoring right now. Yeah, and then you need a center and a defensive center that's going to kind of help them out and let them be a little bit more productive. Trust me, I have Bergeron on my fantasy team. I wish he was more involved in those points, but it hasn't happened. That being said, that line's insane, and it doesn't matter how you play them. They, you want to play physical, they can out phys- uh, They can be out more physical than you. You want to do uh, quick transition games, you want to do fancy, you want to do defensive grind. They can do it all. It doesn't matter who they're playing against. They still, even when they lose, they lost to Montreal 5-4, uh, to four, they're still putting up points. That line just drives that entire team. And it doesn't matter how you play against them, they can match what you do and do it better. And that's the sign of a great line. Pedersen and everyone else saying they got the skill, they get the opportunities, it's going to happen. But every now and again, they have a game against, like like they do against the Ducks. And it's just like, uh, oh, they were there? Huh. Missed them. Yeah, I, and, and I agree with you. I, I think the way Played that David Pasternak has played and, and Brad Brad Marshawn. But I, I, th- I, I think, you know, in, in the sense, can they rival them for the, the best line in hockey? We Maybe. shall see. <laughs> it, it's not impossible, but it, it's it's definitely a steep slope to climb the way David Pasternak's been playing. On the topic of David Pasternak, 15 goals in 15 games, 30 points in 15 games. Can David Pasternak score 50 and 50? I don't remember the last time we had a 50 and 50. I, I believe it was Gretzky, but I could be wrong. Well, he had 50 in, what, 39 games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could be wrong. There could have been somebody else, but I believe Gretzky was the last one to do it. I don't think Can, 50 and 50, yeah. 
Can David uh, Pasternak uh, do it? Gretzky. Can he do no. it? Um, no. <laughs> no. You think? No. Uh, uh, it's a it's a great start. October is awesome if if you're hitting your right strides and teams are just kind of doing a lot of transitions and getting their getting dialed in. Sometimes you're gonna be able to get four goals against a really good Ducks team that's on their fourth road game and they're not quite in sync all of a sudden. Once you get in November, you get in December, you have to start to get to close to your 50. Teams get a little bit more dialed in. They start figuring out where they're screwing up and things get a little bit better, in my opinion. Um, and goal scoring's a fickle thing. I mean, it, it happens a lot more now where you can have a lot of those 50 goal scores. I'm not saying... I'm opposed to him actually getting 50 goals in the year, 50 and 50. That's that's elite level, and and even though we're seeing some really great goal scoring from certain players or points from certain players, uh, it's it's tough to do your first 50 games and, and do a goal a game. I mean, there's gonna be lulls in there, and like I said, October's a really hard time to go. Like this guy is projected to do. I mean, at this point, he's projected to do 82 goals. Do you think he's gonna get that? No, no, no. But I I. It's 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 so tough to reach, and we're talking in, in, a, in an era where is. Ovechkin is one of the best goal scorers of all time, and, and even he wasn't able to do it. it. It takes a certain level of skill and just luck, luck, in, in the sense that your line can stay that hot over uh, over more than half a season. And there's going to come a point where you know Pasternak's going to go four or five games and get one or, or no goals and and then it's going to be almost impossible to dig yourself out of that hole. You you've literally got to stay hot almost every game. You know, if you don't score in in one game, you've got to go score two or three in the next one and does he have the skill to do it? I think he does, but it's it it the consistency thing. It's why this feat is one of the most impossible things to reach. And, and just the, the level of play and the goaltending that you have now. Like, all it takes is a hot goaltender one night, and, and David Pasternak is, is a step behind getting 50 and 50, right? So it, it'll be, it'd be cool. It would be cool. And, I, and you know, out of I don't like the Bruins a ton, but I love David Pasternak. And, and I, God, I, I, I love I, – I hate that I have to look back at that draft where the Ducks took Nick Ritchie in front of him. But – a lot of other teams are kicking themselves too. So, uh, moving from a guy who can score a lot of goals to a guy who literally can't do anything, uh, Milan Lucic is a Boston connection. Game, yeah, in a recent game between the Flames and, and the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, Cole Sherwood was playing, Kiefer Sherwood's brother. And uh, Milan, you know, he goes to the net and he takes a little poke at, I believe, David Riddich. And Milan Lucic just decides to uh, give him a nice shot to the face for, for I, I, I guess, not no reason at all, but uh, takes it a little far, gets a two-game suspension, and then comes out and says he'll continue to defend his teammates despite the suspension. I don't know why Milan Lucic is such an idiot, but uh, he's kind of <laughs> always been like that. Do you think it should have been more? Because I feel like that type of play is intent to injure a player, especially when it wasn't like Cole Sherwood went out and just knocked a guy out unconscious or had a dirty hit. He just did what most any player does in that situation is trying to dig a loose puck out from the goalie's pads. And and I have no idea why Milan Lucic went just AWOL and, and punched him uh, in the face. Well, a normal, rational person, even in the heat of a game, I wouldn't think go to that level. So It was a shot. It was saved. But he was still in there at – Quite honestly, that that extra little slash as a goalie, I'd be like, dude, 
And, and I could be like, dude, F you. Like, I could be really pissed about it. But I don't need someone coming in and just cold cocking somebody who's, who's never. He's just like, he was looking for the puck. And it's just like, hey, give him a warning. Give him a face wash. Get in his face. You know, push him up against it. You don't have to run him with a punch before, you know, the guy's even ready to, to try and fight. You know, that's that's what I don't like about what Lucic did or, you know. If you want to fight somebody, you get in their face. You pull in. It's like you, you. I'm fighting you. Let's do this. And if he doesn't, then you take his number and then you you dish out a hit later or something like that. But just to go up and just just soccer punch somebody like that, and it's not the first time he's done it. And that's why I don't particularly like what Lucic brings to the game anymore. If you can't play hockey, this is what you end up doing. Oh, yeah. I, you're gonna. I'm gonna hide behind. Oh, I'm defending my teammates. Your goalie was fine. The even you know uh, Riddich wasn't all that mad. He, he kind of gave a look, and I would do the same thing: is give a look. He's like, "Dude, seriously, you know I had it." Like that would be it. It wouldn't be like, "Hey, everybody, let's have a you know, let's beat the crap out of this kid." Concussion, you know, it just it didn't rise to that level. So his the Crow Magnum mind is a fickle thing, I guess. But he just completely lost his cool and just. Just did what he's used to doing. I don't know if he's frustrated just about where his career is, but he's he's. I think he's just mad watching uh, the line he used to play on uh, just now <laughs> the NHL, that. and uh, the fact that he's not on it anymore. Uh, the, the the phrase or the saying uh, "pick on someone your own size" kind kind of comes to mind there, in, in the sense that you know I I can understand. I I don't I don't think no matter who there it was, isn't it really been. a lot of Lucci size. No, players. but like, I, you know. <laughs> Cole Sherwood is playing his first few games in the NHL. He's not a big kid. He's not known for being a dirty kid. Like you know, if if that is, you know, John Scott or Ryan Reeves or whoever in that situation, I I think maybe you can understand that they're maybe doing it for a different reason. But th- this is simply a kid just trying to you know go follow up a shot and just follow, follow up a up. shot and and you know maybe he's a, a little amped up. It's his first few games. I don't think that's a smart play, you know. Even if that is Ryan Reeves, I, I don't think that's a, a, a right play by by uh, by Milan Jeez. Lucic. But you, the you grab time, the jersey, you, you grab the jersey, and just go like, dude, dude, like scare the shit out of the kid. That, yeah, that's it's fine. like that's all you needed to do. You didn't have to cold cock him and just like watch him go down. And then on top of him, he kept trying to punch him. It's like, what are you doing? Well, and, <laughs> and then he comes oh. out and and says he's going to continue do to it again, do it again, despite the suspension, like. At that point, like you're just delusional. Like if if that's what are you defending there? Like what did what did Cole Sherwood do that prevented so that you needed to defend <laughs> your team by sucker punching him in the face? I I don't know, but I mean, Milan Lucic will continue to do ridiculous stuff. So I I have no idea why uh, it was only it's, two games. I, I thought yeah. this was an intent to injure a player. I, I I would think it should have been at least five, if not more, because Milan Lucic is a, is a guy who continues to do this on a regular basis. But as is who was it the, that he he uh, he completely he decks somebody? I think it was uh, who yeah, was it? I, I remember. He completely decks somebody, and the dude was just standing there, and he's just like boom, just like just full on right I, cross. I think it was this season him. too, right? No, I th- no, his season's passed because I think he's done it. He's it done it on so the many Kings times when that. he did it. Maybe yeah, it. I, he does it a couple times every year. But so he's been suspended for this roughing incident. But 
yeah, the unfortunate thing is that I think it's just going to take the next time for him. It's kind of like Sean Avery. It's just like you, you start you do enough of these BS things, and then eventually people go like, "All right, you're you're just not helping. You're just you're just being annoying, and you know you're not helping the team. You know you can say you're standing up for your teammates, but we got guys who can score goals and stand up for our team. I had James Neal. James Neal could have done. Apparently, uh, the Blues just traded Robbie Fabry to, to the Detroit Red Wings, so there's that. Um, so it's nothing to do with Lucic, but thank Stevie you. Y. Stevie Y is making moves for the Detroit oh. Red Wings and how bad they've been this year. Uh, <laughs> I think that, so a couple, we covered most of it. Uh, the last two things I want to get to, uh, the New York Islanders have won 10 games in a row. Trust. Yeah, oh, you, you answered my question. I was going to say, is that, the, is that the Islanders being good or is that Barry Trotz being one of the best coaches in the league? I would lead 80% to Barry Trotz being one of the yeah. best coaches in the league. Because you, you look at – On paper. So last look at the paper. Year, <laughs> last year he took uh, Grice and, and Lehner to be one of the best goalies in the league. And, and in Lehner's – you know, defense. defense. He's been very good for Chicago, Chicago this year. Absolutely. So I, I got to give him some credit for maybe he is just a very good goaltender. But now he's also got Grice and Varlamov, and guess what? Varlamov's numbers this year are are pretty excellent. And uh, Thomas Grice is is playing pretty well as at the same time. And and defensively, the <laughs> Islanders are looking like a great team. And they're not get, they're just getting offense from everywhere. And they, they play a structured defensive style. And then you've got Matt Barzell and Andres Lee and Brock Nelson and. <laughs> All these guys just kind of contributed offense, and somehow the Islanders have won ten games in a row. Uh, yeah. Well, the the craziest thing to me is that yeah, you, you'd have Liner in there whose career was dead prior to coming over on a one year contract to the Islanders, and Grice the season before. I was like, dude's done. Career's over. He's just he's he's that bad. Things aren't working. Barry Trotz comes last year. Uh, Liner's in the, the final discussion for the Vesna, and they let him walk. And then they bring in Varlamov from Colorado. And we laughed you, at that. I you, think we laughed. laughed at that. Yeah, we're like, there's no way he's going to be any better than Laner. But I had a little suspicion that the the goalie coach, Con uh, uh, C-H-O-N, I'm really bad with names, I can't pronounce it, but... He has followed Barry Trotz everywhere, and everywhere he goes, the goalies get better. So between Pecorine, between Holtbeast, uh, and Grice and Liner, uh, comes in Varlamov comes in, and all of a sudden, the the biggest key is that if you want to go, well, the goaltending is just out of this world. Grice and Varlamov, neither one of them have played two games in a row. They have alternated every single game this entire season, even through their win streaks. Varlamov had a shutout. Grice played the next game, gave up one goal. Varlamov's the next game. I mean, it just doesn't matter. They're just going to keep going, and they're just so good. And that's what um, helped, in my opinion, Washington become what they were, was that Barry Trotz came over and created a much better defensive structure and belief system that worked so well with Washington, let him walk, didn't offer him. He went to the Islanders and all of a sudden became one of the best defensive teams last year, still one of the best defensive teams. But but if you look at paper, that team's not good. Like, I mean, you know, you look at the the people on the team, they just don't add up to a 10-game winning team. And they'll they'll have a lull. They'll, they'll fall out a little bit, and they'll come back. They'll do what they did last year. But Barry Trotz, in my opinion, I don't know. This guy's been around since Nashville was a team. 
<laughs> when they doing, came in. He was doing wonders with Nashville, too. I mean, so, yeah, multiple 100-point I mean, seasons. I mean, that, that dude is the coach This guy got uh, Alex Ovechkin to play defense. Like, yeah, and win a championship. <laughs> and, yeah, and he won, he won the uh, the Stanley Cup with the Washington Capitals. Uh, at this point, there are not many coaches better than him. Oh, figure. Uh, I, I would struggle to put anybody in front of him at this point just because – the, the, the fact, you know, there, there there aren't many coaches who can go from one team to another and then to another and continue that success with basically the same coaching style. You know, Mike Babcock went from Detroit being lauded as one of the best coaches in the league, and you look at the team that he was that he had to coach in, the, in Detroit, and goes to Toronto, and now people are, are arguing that, you know, maybe he should get fired. And, and Toronto media is tough, and Toronto is still a good team. But, but they can't get out of the first round. <laughs> well, it's it's you know Barry Trotz went from Nashville to a Washington team who were just struggling to get past the Demons in the playoffs. They were always a good regular season team, but they just couldn't beat the Pittsburgh Penguins in the playoffs. Barry Trotz comes in, completely changes it all up, and Washington wins a cup. He says, "You know what? That's enough for me. I'm out of here." And he doesn't go to a contending team. He goes to the New York Islanders, the, the takes them to the playoffs, <laughs> you know, to, to a team that, that lost John Tavares, yeah, and he t- he brings them to the playoffs, and they go past the first round, and which is which is a win for the Islanders. And then this year, people writing them off again. I was one of the people writing them off, and what does he do? He's got them on a ten game winning streak, and it, it's it's unbelievable because again they they do not have. The talent that you would say would be a team who's like ten, uh, 10 and three right now or something like that, eleven and three. But they 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 have they, you know Matt Barzell I think is a special player. But other than that, it, it's even then, it, and and even him, he's underperforming from what I expected. Like I mean, this team's yeah. still clicking on cylinders that doesn't involve Barzell. Uh, but I mean that that goaltending, that defensive side of things, the responsibility, everyone seems to get it's just insane i think yeah with barry trotz and i think that goaltending coach it's just they they followed each other they they're they're joined at the hip and wherever they go they have success it's insane yeah uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can keep it up uh, right now uh if they win their next couple games they'll be the best team in the in the in the entire league <laughs> and in the eastern conference uh washington's still first in that division and the caps have been very good this year so barry trotz is going up against his former team uh, last topic I have to get. Normally, I wouldn't care what Evander Kane is up to, but <laughs> it involves a Las Vegas casino and the Sharks <laughs> and Golden Knights first round series in the playoffs last year. So I had to bring it up. Uh-huh. Evander Kane is apparently being sued for over $500,000 by a Las Vegas casino. And the best part of the whole thing is the lawsuit claims that Kane received these markers that he owes them between games three and four. Of the Sharks' first round series against the oh, Golden Knights, no. so we we've heard this and we've talked about this, and everybody's kind of mentioned and, and players playing in Vegas, especially in the playoffs because they're there for a couple nights in a row. How that's going to affect them? Are they gonna? Are they going to go to the casino? Are they going to go out and party? Well, it clearly seems like Evander Kane couldn't help himself uh, somehow in a playoff series that. Uh, would be the place you would you would hope that he wouldn't be going out to a casino uh, or whatever. A little bit felt more like focused. He, <laughs> felt like he job. needed to go out between games three and four of that series job and blow $500,000 at the casino, uh, lose it all, and then not pay any of it back. 
Uh, I How mean, does that happen in the first place? Don't you have to like put money down? He said, "Oh no, I'm a kid. I'm good for it." I have I have no idea. I, I mean, again, uh, I, I, I don't know. We shows, above so above no yeah. it works, but <laughs> it's above our pay grade. But uh, yeah, if if I don't come with cash or with the chips that are needed to place bets, they don't take your bet. I, so I think I'm, if you, I'm always if confused. You, I, I think you know he's. I, I, and again, I wouldn't know, but I feel like he has some sort of credit, like street credit, in in the sense that, you know, he is a, a pretty wealthy guy. I would assume that they, I think if you come in and say, hey, you know, I'm, and, and again, they can't cash you out for five hundred thousand right there, and I don't think he's going to bring and walk around with five hundred thousand dollars. So it's you borrow the five hundred thousand dollars from the casino to buy the markers, you go out and play. If you win more than that, they cash you out at some point. If you lose, then eventually you have to pay it back. And it just seems like he either neglected to or forgot or whatever, decided not to pay it back. Uh, and, and again, I don't even care about that. I just love the fact that he decided to do this between games three and four of the playoffs. Like, it was headers in the right spot right there. Yeah, I, I, they ended up winning that series, so maybe you know that ends up being a good thing for them. But, well, uh, it's not like uh, it's not like they should have, but yeah. But again, I'm not. I'm also not surprised. It's Evander Kane who is who is the player who is uh, having these issues. He's had issues in the past with money and with casinos. So I'm I'm not uh, I'm not super surprised <laughs> that this is happening. Yeah, I'm sure. Just uh, add to the fodder between uh, him and Reeves. Uh, every time they uh, beat, I want you to pay your debts. <laughs> you can just see Reeves is just going at him for something else. So. Oh, I almost forgot this. Okay, last topic before we end the show, and it should hit us right at an hour and a half. Uh, the Dallas Stars and Nashville Predators Winter Classic jerseys. Ugh. I hate them both. I don't know how you feel about it, but I absolutely hate them both. Every time a new jersey comes out, everyone's usually really, like, uppity about it because, I don't know, people hate change or they, they like it the way they is. Why you got to change? You got to do something different. Um, I hate these. Like, I usually give them, you know, a little bit of grace. It's like, hey, they tried something new. Maybe it's not the greatest, but hey, I can see what they're doing. Nationals are god awful horrible. They use a John Oliver. We (laughs) got some very cool retro jerseys from teams, like uh, LA's throwback to the Chevy type jerseys that the, those are sweet the, the blues phoenix. throwback yeah, yeah the phoenix, phoenix having the the kachinas oh, uh winnipeg's cool. heritage classic jersey is is really nice calgary's heritage classic jersey is nice and then you know i'm i'm not so surprised that nashville messed it up because <laughs> like it it just i felt like there was nothing they could do because their jerseys aren't that great to begin with and all they did yeah. was just go with a striped different colors and just in cursive right national predators on it which is just they actually paid somebody to design that for them i could have is... done that but yeah uh yeah well maybe they get to raise that banner uh worst uh the classic jersey ever <laughs> is they like raising banners that have nothing to do with anything significant so and, and then Dallas, that Dallas, Dallas at least there's a story behind it because i think it, it throws back to an old jersey in the past that was like maroon and tan so they got the tan pants and then they just kind of popped that d stars logo onto their uh onto their jerseys but it just it going deep on that one it doesn't look good uh, I, yeah. I i understand that you know they wanted to go the green but the the striping and the whole 
the whole way the green and the white mix on that jersey just isn't good and then the logo itself is just all white and yeah i, I mean wanna... it's just it's 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 not great I, I i would give the edge to the stars having the better jersey of the two but it's just basically picking which one's the least ugly at that point now what is it is it um what what kind of series is it it's not heritage right or it's the winter that... classic it's the winter classic so it's like one – well, yeah. So there's one Winter Classic every year. Then there's the yeah. Stadium Series. Stadium Series and the Heritage Classic, Classic which is always Canadian teams. Yeah. Um, I would rather see, like, new ideas. I, I get, oh, we're doing the Classic. I don't even know why they really call it the Winter Classic. I mean, the Winter Classic is just like – I don't know why they would call it a Classic at that point. I would just say call it the Winter Spectacle or – you can call it a Classic if you want, but I don't understand the need to try and go old school with it. Yeah. Make that yeah, the heritage have thing. overboard the, on uh, going the nostalgia. Like, like, yeah. yeah. It's like come up with something brand new, something neat or interesting and Teams just a different concept. That. Yeah. Just, Stadium I'm Series much was always that. Um, and, the Ducks and did the old, recently, that was the first time they did the all orange was the the Ducks uh, yeah. doing the stadium series and that thing actually ended up sticking around we still use that now yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of teams who it. who used to kind of push the envelope and have new things for Winter Classic that's why I looked forward to them mm-hmm. and, and now and I, I guess Nashville a little bit they tried to do that because I don't know what they were throwing back to at this point. Uh, it's probably a good idea that they didn't throw back to anything that they had in the past. I like but, that little uh, saber tooth cat. It kind of comes out at like a forty-five degree uh, angle. I'm I, okay I with it. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, okay with I, I just I think it was lazy on their part. They literally just cursive wrote National Predators on the yellow patch of that jersey. Uh, they could, you know, the striping I thought was cool. And if you throw a logo on there, just a different logo, it probably looks better. Don't yeah, don't make me go. read your jersey. Just, just yeah. give me something that tells me in, in cartoon well, the Jets form. Did that yesterday, <laughs> last year with that blue jersey where they wrote Jets in cursive, and, and that yeah. was bad too. So I don't know why Nashville did that. But, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a game I'm probably not going to catch. I think even with the jerseys, I don't think I was going to watch Nashville and, and Dallas to begin with. But, uh, man, the Ducks need to get one of these. We need, and, and it's tough to have a winter classic in California. So it's basically. Well, don't wanna... make it here. Just put our team somewhere where it's wintry. <laughs> yeah, have us a winter classic against Colorado. So it's I think not Colorado has a stadium series game or some type of game this year against LA, I think it is, right? So there, there's a chance there that you could, you could have an event like that. I want to see the Ducks back in one because selfishly, I just want to see another jersey. Yeah. Um, well, keep dreaming. Uh, the the ducks aren't on the east coast. They're not Canadian, and they're not cold weather teams. So uh, they all they yeah yeah they're not LA. And if it was uh, LA and uh, they won a couple of Stanley Cups earlier this decade, then maybe, but probably not. So keep wishing. Yep. Well, that uh, <laughs> that's it, and uh, yes. we're on to the new format for good now. Uh, yep. Next show would be normally Sunday, so it's Wednesdays and Sundays. If you're listening to this for the first time and you had no idea that we switched the format, we've moved over from post-game shows to twice a week, Wednesdays and Sundays, except for when there's a Ducks game on a Wednesday or a Sunday. So, for example, this week there is a Ducks game on Sunday against the Oilers. So we will be back either Saturday or Monday, probably Saturday because Saturday would probably work Monday would be a little bit weird having three shows in one week. So Saturday's likely when we'll be back. We'll be back here on Twitch. But, uh, yeah, I, I hopefully Pat will be there. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it to, to tonight's show. 
So uh, hopefully we'll all be there on Saturday, which is nice to have all three of us back on the show. Uh, that one will be that one will be interesting on what we're going to talk about because there are no ducks games between now and, and, and Saturday. I'll come up with some some really cool so things. We're, yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be stretching. Hopefully, there's some ducks news in in general uh, on stuff like that. But we'll we're planning on obviously being more prepared for these shows in the sense that. We can actually have a couple days to prep, and we're not just going off of what happened in the game. So we hope you guys enjoyed the the new format for the show. And uh, like I said, we'll be back on uh, Saturday. So yeah. we'll uh, stay tuned for Twitter on uh, when uh, that show, what time that show is going to be, because it you know, oh, the the, the midweek ones are likely always going to be around this time because it works out for for you guys uh, coming home from work and and getting yeah. things set up for this time. The weekend ones, we have a little bit more freedom to possibly explore going earlier. So we're, yeah. like I said, stay tuned on on that one. So we we could go, you know, around five or six Pacific, maybe seven. We'll we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, you'll figure it out. But two things real quick. Uh, we're going to have our first watch party of the season. That will be on the 23rd, I want to say. Yeah, is yeah 23rd Sat- against Tampa Bay. Yeah, against Tampa Bay. It's a uh, 4 o'clock game, so it's going to be at the lamppost. It's in Yorba Linda. It is going to be West Yorba Linda. We will tweet out and keep retelling you what the address is once i actually figure out the new address but it's a brand new place um friend owns it she's a hockey uh uh wife uh, her husband i play hockey with all the time but anyways they have a lot of beers on tap they have a brand new thing big screen projection tv huge area for us so it's going to be just a, a buttload of fun and usually we get about 30 to 40 other uh rabid ducks fans there so uh, come and join us once again. That'll be the twenty third against Tampa Bay. Starts at four. We'll probably be there at about three or so. Yeah, and if you came to the last one, there's no trains at this one. But yes, this so, one is train free. Train free, <laughs> which should, should already make you want to come back. Into it so you can, if uh, not, the beer would be the other reason. <laughs> yep, and it's not outside, so you don't have to worry about the uh, the projection screen flying yes. away again like it did it's last time. <laughs> Conditioned space. <laughs> yeah. So make sure uh, make sure you guys come out for that one. Now you said you had two things. What was the uh, oh uh, cool hockey? Let's not forget that uh, supporters of the show and uh, once sponsors again of our new segment, the shootout, where we talk yes. NHL news. Because got to give some credit to, to cool hockey for that too. Yeah. So you go to coolhockey.com, uh, use our promotion code FM20. You get twenty percent off of any jersey, customizable. Also, you can uh, do our Forever Mighty Three Stars uh, 45 minutes before any game. We post three to four questions. All you got to do is just try and guess it right. And who knows, at the end of the month, if you guess most of them right, you win. And you get a brand new customizable jersey. That means numbers, name, logo. Even if you're not a Ducks fan, why wouldn't you be? You can still pick whatever jersey you want. And it's completely free because... Cool Hockey is sponsoring this. They're cool guys, and uh, they absolutely are a friend of the show. Yep, and uh, Daryl was our winner for October, and he's getting himself a new orange third jersey with John Gibson on the back. So if uh, if that's your cup of tea, then make sure you go and you enter that for us. For everybody on Patreon, we will have some uh, new bonus shows coming out for the month of November. Uh, Brett asked us about when the Bobby's Bargain Bin game show is coming. 
Uh, you know what? Hopefully we can we can do that for this Saturday show yeah. because uh, what we talked about for that is is people from Patreon are the only ones who could be participating in the show, but that's going to be one we're going to broadcast live. So it might just be easier for us to kind of just throw that in and, and package that as part of Saturday's show. So we'll uh, we'll reconvene and and we'll talk to Pat about that, and, and then hopefully we can we can finally get the first installment of Bobby's Bargain Bin uh, set up for <laughs> Saturday. Game shows love it. <laughs> all right all right guys take care and then uh, stay tuned to twitter for when we're going to be back on saturday